Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Can you believe we're almost halfway through the year? It's just astounding how time is flying. Um, Gosh, so much to talk about today. I can't wait to dive in to... American History, Education, Indoctrination with our special guest. Father, thank you for a new day. Thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you, God, for being sovereign over all things. We recognize, Lord, there's a lot of chaos, confusion, disruption that starts at the spiritual level with demonic forces in our culture, in this nation, but we know, God, that you are aware of everything. We know that you have a plan. We know that you have overcome, and also that you can give us wisdom, so we ask for how we can respond as Christians in this time, because we are here for such a time as this. Great is your faithfulness, and your mercies are new every morning. We love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so blessed today to have back with us Dr. Jake Jacobs. He's an author, historian, teacher. He's spent more than three decades in the public and private school a high school system, and at the college level, teaching the truth about our constitutional republic under God while stressing historical correctness in the face of politically correct intimidation by the academic establishment. Jake's latest book is Mob Rule, Unmasking the Radical Leftists at Our Doorsteps. He's also the author of Mobocracy, the Cultural and Political War, to destroy our republic under God, plus another book called Mother Should I Trust the Government, The Making and Keeping of Our American Republic. Dr. Jake Jacobs, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. Shalom, shalom, David. It's always a pleasure. Hey, thanks for being with us again. And uh, man, you're in a new season in life. Uh, You have maybe a few more minutes uh, on your hands because you finally retired after all those years. Um, I don't know how you did it so long, how you stayed in the education system so long, Jake. So what I want to start off by asking you is um, your observations through the the years, decade by decade, I'm sure you've seen the curriculum change, the leadership the, at the level of the NEA, the U.S. Department of Education, and what teachers, uh, obviously, if you're conservative or Christian, your hands are pretty much tied these days. Please share with us, if you can, some of the bullet points of observations that came to you through the decades as you were in the school system. Yeah, sure. I'd love to, Dave. David, um, first time I ever stepped in a classroom was January of 1977. It was Marcos Deniza High School in Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> uh, I was uh, an education major at Arizona State. Uh, most of my professors, even back then, were left-wing um, I was hanging around with, uh, uh, on campus, I would hang around with some uh, campus crusade people. I wasn't a Christian at the time. Um, some uh, Newman Center Catholics, and they were always talking to me about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it was kind of a wild time in my life. Long story short, I eventually did give my life to Christ, hmm. which completely revolutionized my worldview. Wow. It gave me a profound worldview where, in essence, I recognized that the Christ culture in my heart was, was shaping my worldview and my thinking. Uh, so it gave me a discernment to see what was happening in the classroom at the university level even then. And then I started teaching in the 1980s after I got a graduate degree from uh, Ashland Theological Seminary. And immediately what I saw was the textbooks had been taken over by the left even back then. In mm, some cases, wow. soft left, but in some cases, hard left, yeah. where I, I was frustrated because um, coming from the, not hard left, I was a liberal uh, back in the day, but coming from the secular, let's say, liberal perspective, and then seeing what had happened in the textbooks, they had been taking out the Judeo-Christian foundation of the nation wow. in a lot of different ways. Thanksgiving was uh, was totally bastardized the way it was presented. Curricula had been influenced even back in the 1980s, and so immediately I had to augment, immediately I had to find supplemental materials from various sources. Even back then, the homeschool movement was starting to work, uh, was starting to grow, and I had to go to them for some of the stuff that I would use in the classroom. And when I did it, of course, 
I would get in trouble with my principal. Uh, the first principal, no, because he was a Christian, he was conservative, he was traditional, but the principals after him and the superintendent uh, began to uh, start to write me up wow. because I was constantly talking about the Judeo-Christian worldview as the foundation of our nation. The audacity. It even led me to write my very <laughs> first book, The Gospel, God's Law, and Government, A Biblical Worldview, The Founding Fathers. It so upset the superintendent that he he had the principal come into my room. This would have been back, what? about 20-some years ago, and and threatened me that I should not be writing that kind of material, nor should I be talking about those things in the classroom. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Hey, hey Jake, let me ask you something. You brought up something something very fascinating that we can kind of uh, just skim over, but I think it's a very important point. You said you were teaching in Arizona. You became a believer in Christ and in Christ, as a new believer, you said your worldview changed. My question is logical. How long did it take for your politics to change? Because we see a lot of people come to Christ or say they're professing Bible-believing Christians. They, they say they are, and yet they still hang on to the leftist or the liberal politics, but they say they're a Christian. How long did it take for your politics to change to follow up with your biblical worldview? I got goosebumps the way you, uh, that you caught that, that. Uh, it, it, it didn't take very long, to be quite honest. Now, I have to kind of qualify this. Remember, I was raised, uh, yes, my, my parents were Democrats. Uh, my grandparents, uh, both my grandparents were all Democrats. My, my Pipier Lafleur, who was a farmer up in the UP, um, he told the story that, well, my mother told me the story that when FDR died, he stopped his tractor up in the Bark River, Escanaba area, and got on his knees and was crying. So wow. that was my heritage, my <laughs> tradition, but it, they were, they were uh, devout Catholics. So I had a lot of good, the good aspects of Catholicism coming into my heart, the Apostles' Creed, that Christ was God. I had that in my background, but as a teenager, I, I drifted away from it. My first few years in college, I really drifted away from it. Hmm. And so there were wit- Christian witnesses around me. But when the Holy Spirit was in my heart, it, it began to work in my thinking. I began to see that there was an incongruity between the things I used to think in relationship to the biblical worldview or even the biblical text. Um, I'd always been pro-life because of my Catholic upbringing, but in some other areas, I was more of a big government, you know, social programs kind of guy kind of the touchy-feely stuff of, of left-wingism, yep. and I began to, to recognize that there were some things that were inconsistent, uh, you know, even, especially when I began to listen to people, even back then, Joe Biden and uh, Ted Kennedy, who supposedly were these devout Catholics, and yet they were <laughs> very anti-natural law, anti-Catholic mm-hmm. policy, very pro-abortion. And so I began to early on see that, wait a minute here, that world is really different than the tri- traditional, you know, Christian, Judeo-Christian worldview. And so within a matter of maybe six months to a year, I had probably changed 80% of my thinking. And you mentioned the Holy Spirit, which brings me to the point that we as believers, even when you come to know Jesus or profess Him and be saved, we can quench the Spirit. Um, and that's what happens when we stuff down what God wants to do in us and reveal us more of His truth as we for the lack of a better word, will we'll grow in Christ. Um, but you mentioned your your family, they were Democrats. What we know now from the 50s and 60s, the Democrat Party has radically changed through the years. Um, your observations in that area, Jake? Well, I've said this over and over again. <clears throat> if my father, my father and mother were alive, um, there's no way on God's beautiful green earth would they be Democrats today. There is no way, because they would see that the Democratic—now, by the way, let me—I let me. I have to qualify this also. <laughs> the, you know, historians have a tendency to do that. But remember, the Democratic Party was the party of systemic racism. It was the party of the KKK. It was the party of, of black codes and, and uh, lynching. It was the party that fought for—you know, if you go to the Democratic Party website, it says they were fighting for civil rights for 200 years. <laughs> if you, Your listeners can go up to the— a Democratic National Committee website under our history, the very first line says, we're the party that's been fighting for civil rights for 200 years. And it, it's not true. It's a lie. Exactly. But my point in saying that is the Democratic Party was the party of systemic institutionalized white supremacy for a long, long time. And as you know, 
Many Christians, ex-Democrats, created the Republican Party right here in Wisconsin in 1854. Many of them were driven by Christian principles of equality for all, loving thy neighbor. And many, many hundreds of thousands of Americans had to die so that systemic racism, which was perpetuated by the Democratic Party, yep. uh, you know, in the Civil War. And so th- that part of the party is the part that I would repudiate and never associate with. But yet the Democratic Party that was more traditional, more conservative, was the party my parents belonged to. Uh, when you even think of, you know, uh, Democrats mm. of the of the early 60s, like, well, John F. Kennedy or others that were more conservative in foreign policy and domestic policy, and were actually pro-lifers, uh, you don't see that today. No. The party has been hijacked uh, by the hardcore left, and it's, it's and, and ironically, the Democratic Party is once again the party of systemic institutionalized racism. They're the ones that are behind this and perpetuating critical race theory. They're the ones supporting and, and disseminating the ideas of black life, Marxist Black Lives Matter worldview curriculum. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that wanted to get rid of the 1776 curriculum endorsed by many great historians and by President Donald Trump. So this is not the party of my parents. Right. Jake, I have to ask then if that is on the Democrat Party website um, and it's flat out not true, lying, uh, whatever you want to you can call it a lie. We can say it's it's not factual. It's not true history. How then do they get away with it? Is it the liberal media activists or are we now coming back to, quote, education in America? Is this how they get away with putting that on their website? Okay, David, I know a lot of times you don't like people to read quotes and stuff, but I'm going to read a quote to you and see if you you might recognize it. It says here, quote, America's future is being threatened by those who have successfully rewritten some of our history. Distortions about Americans' origins and heritage have poisoned our education system, our government, and the national media. We may not have been paying attention, but children across America probably were. Having learned much different history than you and I once learned in public schools, many of these young people are now out of college and moved on to join the workforce, workforce, end quote. Might you know that's the origin of that quote? Uh, That sounds very familiar, Jake. (laughs) Yeah, it's on page 27 of your book, Eradicate, that came out nine years ago. Wow. And I'm telling you, brother, what you wrote there, no different than what I wrote the very same year. Our books came out the same year, Mobocracy, when I told America to wake up before it's too late, that the mobocrats mean business, mm-hmm. that they are hell-bent on destroying our heavenly roots. Well, your point there, as my point was in my book, is that much of this problem is coming, the, the cultural problems. You know, you know the famous quote, politics is downstream from culture. Well, the problems we're having today, they have just exploded all throughout the culture, the institutions. Hmm. And what you said that nine years ago, you said they're now, they're moved on to, in the workforce. Yep. Well, now they're the woke hipsters who are running the HR department. They're the head of the of big tech the big tech tyrannies, the cancel culture in America. Yes, yes. They're now they're now uh, in the upper echelon of the FBI and the CIA. They're even, as you know, starting to get in the upper echelon of the United States military. Yeah. So, so I know that General Mark Milley, you know, he he's a little bit younger than I am, so he's not that generation. He's more of the boomer generation. But when he defends critical race theory and wokeism and says we need to be open minded. You know that it is if it goes into an institution like the military, we got serious problems, and it goes back to education, 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 yes. culture, culture, culture. Yes, thank you, Dr. Jake Jacobs. Let's go back to that time in 2010 when the Wisconsin State Capitol in Madison was hijacked by the left in their recall of Governor Scott Walker at the time, and it cost taxpayers in Wisconsin, I think, millions of dollars in their recall elections and all their efforts and the damage they did to the Capitol. But there were tables set up outside the Capitol for the Socialist Party USA. There were signs with the blue communist clenched fist, and there was all this shouting of solidarity. They were actually preventing senators, Republican senators, from entering their own building at the state Capitol. And the teachers' unions were there 
they were paid to be there. They were off from school. They encouraged students to go there. And you were there being interviewed by Fox News. I remember that on Fox and Friends, I believe, early, early in the morning. But you were outside the Wisconsin State Capitol. Tell us about that time and just what led up to that. And how did the left get away with holding our capital, at least a state capital, hostage the way they did? Yeah, just for the record, by the way, I was there on the weekend. I did not skip school, you oh, know, call in, okay. check, like literally <laughs> dozens and dozens of, of my colleagues did. Yep. I had one colleague from a school in the Appleton district down there on a Thursday, on a Friday, and he was bragging. They're playing John Lennon's Imagine song, and this is like a revolution down here, and you should get down here. And I was so surprised thinking that he would think that I would do something like that. <laughs> Uh, And then, interestingly enough, one of the teachers who was his substitute teacher told me this stuff as I was teaching a college class at Lakeland College at the time. And then I realized he had been calling in sick and he was down there, in essence, you know, defending this this mobocracy that I saw. So when I went down and saw what I saw, I saw the anarchist flag, the Marxist flag, the socialist flag, books being sold on Che Guevara and Mao Zedong. I saw teachers with signs, you know, that called Governor Walker Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini um, and having a gun pointed at him or at him on the noose, his his neck in a noose. I would say to teachers, I would try to reason with them and say, "Are are you kidding me? Do you know anything about the Holocaust? Do you know anything about what Stalin did? I mean, he, he, he was responsible for the death of six million Ukrainians. Hitler was responsible for the death of six million Jews. You have a moral equivalency uh, with a governor who wants to simply balance the budget, wants to stop with this union corruption. And, and that's the same thing as hit. That's when I it, like the light went off like, whoa, it's worse than I realized. Thus, the book Mobocracy, the Culture and Political War to Destroy Our Republic Under God. To me, it was a micro-experience of the macro thing that you and I were saying was, was, was here, but yep. was going to get much worse. And here we are in 2021, and it's here. Yes. And it's mad, and it's angry, and it's hungry, and it wants to devour life and liberty in the land. Yeah. So, Dr. Jake Jacobs, we've got two minutes left in this segment. So let's jump ahead to the year 2020. How different was what they were doing then in Wisconsin from what we see happening out in Portland and Seattle with the leftists, with Antifa? Um, it's the, the It comes from the same foundation, doesn't it? The same exact. It's the same exact anti-life, liberty, anti-Christian. It's a Weltanschauung. It's a very, you know, a demonic, devilish, satanic worldview that really wants to eradicate, to steal a a title of a famous book, to literally (laughs) eradicate the foundation of the nation. I think this, and I know most of your listeners understand this, Mm -hmm. this is really a worldview war, is what it boils down to. Amen. And and, and so these things that manifested last summer with, you know, uh, as I talk about my book, Mob Rule, unmasking the radical leftists at our doorsteps, that is the manifestation of what they desired to do. Well, literally, they desired to do it since the 1840s and 50s with, you know, the writing of the the Communist Manifesto. Um, They've desired to destroy our Judeo-Christian republic under God. Hmm. And you know, we all know, you've written about it, I've written about it, many others, like Mark Levin and others have written about it, his book, American Marxism. But in essence, they knew they could not get us overtly, they had to get us covertly. Hmm. Covertly in the classroom, in the culture, yes. in the churches. And sadly, I hate to say it, sadly, they've won. They've been, I was at a, uh, the Wisconsin, oh, I know you're going to come up to a break here, so if I could finish this thought when sure. you're ready. Well, oh, sure. Um, actually, I think we've got about 45 seconds. Can you squeeze it in? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw when I was down at the Wisconsin State Republican Convention, and I saw a gentleman, and I, I used to hang out with a bunch of guys called the Hegelians. They were Marxists, but they wanted their token Christian to debate them, and I debated them. And the notorious Robert Nordlander, uh, known as being the notorious atheist in the Valley, he since passed away, but my friend said to me, Robert Nordlander is winning, Jake. And I realized what he said. Hmm. The atheist is winning. Now, you and I know the end of the story. We know in the end Christ wins, but 
In the meantime, we have to deal with these victories, these temporary victories they're getting that's destroying our republic under God. Yes, thank you for making that point. The left is winning. They have the influence. They haven't won the war, and it is a worldview war. More when we come back with Dr. Jake Jacobs. A little bit about his uh, recent speech at the Wisconsin State Convention, and also we'll talk more about education and how it is, for lack of a better word, progressed, but in the wrong direction. Uh, So much more to talk about when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Dr. Jake Jacobs, author, historian, teacher. He's got a podcast coming up. He's starting. I'll tell you more about that later, uh, probably the next segment. But Jake, you were just recently speaking at the Wisconsin State uh, GOP convention, and you had a lot of issues you could have covered. Tell us how that went, and what did some of the content of your speech include? Oh, yeah, I had a great time down there. I think it was about maybe five, 600 people down there, a lot of the delegates from the various uh, uh, counties in the state of Wisconsin. Um, my, my primary focus was to deal with the, you know, the, the positive, righteous history of the Republican Party, why it was birthed. I, I, said, I, I in essence said it was birthed in the spirit of 1776, desiring for authentic equality for all. Uh, how blacks and whites worked together to achieve that, how the Democratic Party, in essence, hated that black Abraham Lincoln, and they hated that Negro Republican Party, as they called it, because they were the party of white supremacy yes, back in the day. they were. And then I went on to um, uh, talking about, actually, uh, people like Bernadine uh, Dorn and Bill Ayers, the Marxists who were the non-friend friends of Barack Obama. <laughs> Remember how he lied about that whole yes. situation, right? Yep. And I said, literally, we have thousands of Bernadine Dorns and Bill Ayers in our classrooms, and mm. how important it is for us to understand uh, the, the necessity to be aware of that. And this is why we have this awakeness to the wokeness by many parents across the country when it comes to fighting the, the corruption and the lies and deception of school boards. And then I mentioned in there uh, the idea that uh, these leftists are talking about transforming America by any means necessary. And I stress this word, any means necessary, which, as you know, is a radical leftist term, which means it can be through cultural influences. But if it means militant clashes, so be it. But I said, in essence... It's acting as a Christian, as, a, as an American conservative Christian, that we believe by many means necessary, not by any, but by many. And what I meant by that is that as Christians, as conservatives, we believe in the rule of law, not mob rule. We believe in our constitutional republic, not chaos. We believe in election laws, not cheating. We believe in backing our policemen and women who are in harm's way. We believe in legal immigration. Uh, come to America, come here legally. We believe in supporting mothers and fathers who are working hard to take care of their children, and they're teaching those children right from wrong. And what, that is a very essential point to point out, is this is why we're having such a horrible uh, crime explosion in the nation mm-hmm. uh, because of what's happening, because right from wrong, because we're living in a what Pope Benedict called the dictatorship of relativism. We're living in that age of a dictatorship of relativism, or relativism yes. where anything goes and right from wrong is not being taught. And then I really yeah. talked about how leadership can make a difference during the COVID situation with Republican governors, the great governor DeSantis down in Florida, uh, you know, to Christy Noem up in South uh, Dakota, Uh, And then I stressed when it came to foreign policy, something that very much concerns me. Can I have just a couple minutes to mention that? Please do. Yes. Okay. Well, for example, let's give you an example. You know, when Donald Trump uh, was called, you know, Adolf Hitler and a Nazi and a fascist, and it's so ironic because he, his son is Jewish and his daughter is converted to Judaism. His grandkids are Jewish, and he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, he, 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 he was the first president to do that when all these other presidents, both Republican and Democrat, said they would, yep. but they didn't, which was absolutely phenomenal, wonderful. He's loved by many Israelis just absolutely adored. And then he had the Abraham Accords and four Arab Muslim nations signed a peace treaty because Jared Kushner and others had advised him properly go around the Palestinian Hamas corruption and let's go directly with these countries. Mm. And, you know, 
The media ignored it. They downplayed it. They ridiculed him. And he did get a nomination for Nobel Peace Prize, but there's no way on God's green earth he would ever win it. Right. They hate him so much. But here's the point. He had a foreign policy leadership where Iran knew where he stood. China knew where he stood. Putin knew where he stood. And now you've got this old, weak, feeble leader oh. by the name of Joe Biden. Yep. He's an old 78. And here is the, you know, there's the KGB Putin. He's a young 68. And they just met in Geneva, and he outmaneuvered him. He outplayed him. You know the uh, uh, dictator of, of communist China, Chairman I call him Chairman Xi, right? He's yeah. another young 68. He is, he, they're, they're just elated that we have this weak commander-in-chief. Look what they're doing in Hong Kong. They just shut down the Daily Apple. I saw that. You know? yep. uh, Taiwan, they're, they're having military maneuvering in Taiwan. In the South China Sea, Australia is concerned about their maneuvering. They have the so-called Silk Road uh, policy. Where, where what, that's one of the key essence of the CCP is, is they're, they're building roads and railroads and infrastructure all throughout the Indo-Pacific, Southeast Asia area, up in the Middle East. And it's not a coincidence. Remember Ted Ross, the president of WHO, who, right? This dude, this guy, used to be a member of the People's Liberation Front in Ethiopia. And now China has literally built all this infrastructure in Ethiopia and given them lots of money. So Ethiopia is at the bacon, bacon call of China. Wow. And it's not a coincidence they've been in cahoots together lying about COVID. And the whole point in saying this, this is a geopolitical move by the communist Chinese. So they go in under so-called altruistic motivations. But if you've ever read a book called Unrestricted Warfare, which was written by two colonels, uh, former Chinese um, uh, uh, colonels, they talk about how the plan of the ultimate of the Chinese foreign policy is to actually use very multi-level layers of how they're going to approach their uh, their so-called warfare. So it's not just the military aspect, it's infrastructure, it's influence around the world, it's monetary, it's through it's Internet influence. It, and it's through a, a lot of things that we wouldn't normally see like we would have seen maybe in World War II. Mm. And so even these Chinese experts, many of them now who live here in America, are saying, be aware of that. My point in saying this is she understands that. And Biden does not have the set of skills. I don't think he ever did. But now because he's having this cognitive disabilities, he, 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 he is not the leader we need. No. It reminds me of, of uh, President Paul von Hindenburg when Hitler was manipulating him back in 1934. He was a weak, he was an old, old 84, and he was pushed around by Hitler. Hmm. No different than in 1938 when Neville Chamberlain, who was an old 69, was manipulated by Hitler at the Munich conference. And Hitler, you know, screamed and hollered. He demanded this. And he says, if you listen to me, I'll give you peace. And then, boom, of course, they took over Czechoslovakia six months later. And then it led to World War II. Wow. And if you compare when Ronald Reagan negotiated with, he was a young 74 in 1985 in Geneva with Mikhail Gorbachev. He himself was a young 54. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But Ronald Reagan knew how to hold him, how to fold him. And he, <laughs> he, out, he checkmated him. Yeah. He understood peace through strength. Yes. He understands that a shark smells weakness. He smells the blood of feebleness. Mm -hmm. And right now, the world smells the blood of the feebleness of our commander-in-chief. And it really is very concerning for me. Yes. Excellent points, Dr. Jake Jacobs. I agree with you 100%. And uh, we're, we don't know all that's happening outside of our you know, country because the media won't report things like that. They won't report the kind of activity by Iran and China and other countries that might be uh, might appear as uh, aggressive or suspicious because they want to hold up. They're they're literally holding up the old Biden administration. Um, what about bring it home now, Dr. Jake, uh, bring it home. What about our national defense. What about the borders? Your concerns because there's chaos, there's crises, there's rape, there's COVID coming in through the southern border, there's criminals, there's gang members. There's uh, all this all these problems and they're all behind this illegal immigration and the media is not reporting fairly. They are not reporting truthfully. So, most people are not getting the truth about what's happening. What are your concerns about just our border defense and our southern borders? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, 
By the way, a, a quick thing. You know, the new president of Iran, or, or Rashi, this man is somebody that we he, he reminds me of Ayatollah Khomeini when I was in college in the 1970s. And you know, they love to decry out death to America, death to Israel. Yep. So uh, that's something we need to be aware of. And, mm. and of course, Biden's going back in that direction. But now when it comes to the, the border, you know, Governor DeSantis of Florida, you know we got problems when the governor of Florida has to help the governor of Texas because he recognizes right now a, a profound amount of fentanyl is coming into Florida and it's hurting the wow. citizens of Florida. So here he is. He has to take his monies from Florida and send them to uh, Texas. And Governor Abbott here is on his own saying, if you're not going to do your job, because the primary purpose of the federal government is to protect its citizens, and it's obviously not. Yep. And the reason we, we know why that is, because they ultimately they love that the illegals can come here and vote and vote and vote Democratic, which they're doing, us, uh, unfortunately, in droves. And, of course, this is a globalistic, you know, Kamala Harris's globalistic, no borders kind of worldview. That's why she hesitated to go down there for the longest time, because she does not believe in true borders. But the point is that what's happening on the I was just in Arizona two weeks ago. Friends of mine from Yuma, Tucson, Nogales, Sasabe, uh, uh, right on the border, small little town. They are every one of my friends that are involved in the Republican conservatives down on the border have told me it's incredibly bad. It Dangerous. Is, in fact, they use they use the word adios America if this keeps up. Wow. And they recognize that what's happened, it's no different than Californians fleeing California and coming to Arizona and they're changed the demographics of Maricopa County. Uh, same thing's happening. On, if you look at if you do a study of the counties in Texas on the border, they've gone from red to blue. But it is so bad that even in the 28th district, what was his name? Henry Cuevar, I forgot it. I forgot how to pronounce it. Excuse me, but he's a uh, an American Mexican uh, Democrat on the border from like uh, San Antonio to the Rio Grande Valley. He is. He's even been saying to President Biden, "We've got some serious problems. We got some serious fentanyl, sex trafficking." Uh, what's happening with the Mexican mafia? Hmm. We got to do something down here. So you know it's bad when Democrats on the border are <laughs> saying it's bad. Yeah. And then Kamala Harris goes down. She goes to El Paso, which is very irrelevant as far as where the serious problems are. Right. Does a couple of photo ops like Ocasio Cortez, like she's really hurt, and then she flies back to the deep swamp exactly. to play her games again. Yeah. And it's really, really concerning because. This is a demographic problem. This is a drug problem. Uh, this is a, I say demographic when it comes to changing America. Yes. You know, uh, electoral demographics. Yes. I mean, we've just and, seen what's happening in Texas as far as the demographics there. And, and we're talking about Texas. We would never think, for example, that election between Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, we would never have thought that would even be remotely close. But they poured millions of dollars into O'Rourke's campaign. And that was a narrow victory for Ted Cruz in Texas. So the left knows how to play the game. And I'm not sure we're we're keeping up very well. And, and you know what concerns me, David, is I, I mentioned in my speech, I talked about how that, I, that when our founders created our constitutional republic under God, one of the key components of that republic, as you know, whether it be John Adams or Benjamin Franklin or other founders, is they recognize the connection between virtue and the citizen. Hmm. And I, in essence, stressed in my speech that where is the virtue in America? Where is the virtue? They never envisioned virtueless lifer politicians like Joe Biden, who's been a politician for almost half a century. Yes. Chuck Schumer, almost half a century. Nancy Pelosi, 33 years. And to be honest, there's some Republicans in there that have been around way too long. Amen. Who lack the virtue and are only in it for the money. They're only in it for their own self-aggrandizement. And it sickens me to see mm. our nation cries out for virtue. Well, I think you brought up another idea indirectly, and that would be term limits. But we don't hear much talk of that other than from Ted Cruz and others who really want to try to get something established. But it's probably never going to happen because it's such a lucrative, um, I guess, industry when you go into government, quote, service. <laughs> oh, it really is. I mean, you know, our founders envisioned that's why Washington set the precedent of only two terms. But our founders envisioned citizen 
uh, leaders, citizen politicians, mm. citizen representatives, citizen governors, where, you know, they were farmers, they were lawyers, they were doctors, they wow. were teachers, and they would leave that profession, and then they would go and represent us for a while and then go back home. I mean, it's why George Washington was called the Cincinnatus of America. Cincinnatus was the Roman farmer who was a great general, a great leader, and the Romans kept on saying, you know, you should be our leader, you should be our dictator. And Cincinnatus, kind of like in the movie Gladiator, I just want to go home and hang with my wife and kids. And they kept on turning to him. And we kept on turning to Washington. And Washington, after a while, says, enough. I've done enough. I need to go home now. Mm. And that's what we need. And I understand, you know, the argument, well, they need to be there to know what's going on. But the problem is this administrative bureaucratic state has gotten so deep so wide, so corrupt. Mm. It's so full of money that corrupts. Yeah. And it corrupts both the Democrats and Republicans that when they're done in office, they become uh, lobbyists and they make even triple, quadruple the money they used to make before. Uh. And this is what Donald Trump had to deal with. That's why they de- they destroyed him the first time. They tried to have this this permanent coup d'etat against him from the moment he was elected. And that's why they're going to try to destroy him so he can't run again. But I'll tell you what, in uh, in hindsight, looking at some of what he did expose, it was very helpful for some people to actually see. I don't think he, Jake, do you think we only have a minute and a half in this segment? Do you think that he had any idea how deep and how vast that swamp was in D.C.? No, he didn't. I don't. Look, at I, I've, I've been with uh, uh, a number of my, Ron Johnson uh, and others uh, in Congress, uh, Reed Ribble and others, um, they told me, they have told me in the past, Jake, it is, it is exponentially much, much worse than you can ever imagine. Behind the beltway, when you get into that swamp, the mm. corruption, the, the, this, like, you know, the non-elected bureaucratic administrative officials who are there for life. Imagine you get a bureaucratic job and you're making six figures and then the next administration comes in and you're the one pulling the strings. You're the one maybe behind writing some of the bills. You're the one who wants to perpetuate your job. And if all of a sudden President Trump comes in or, you know, in the future it could be DeSantis, who knows? But if they come in and they want to change things, that power structure is going to do whatever it can to saw Olinsky you, to destroy you. And if they can't find dirt on you, they'll make it up and they'll lie. That's why I keep on saying, where is the virtue? Mm. And then you're going to scare away people. Who wants to run into that swamp? Exactly. Who wants to get their life scrutinized and attacked and maligned uh, and, and, and digging into your background? You could be Mother Teresa. You could, you know, and you'd never make it because they will, they will do whatever they can to destroy you. That's how corrupt it is. In yes. DC today, I sadly. think a, a lot of people listening right now hear you, Jake, and they're saying, "Yes, Amen." Where is the virtue? Um, but we will talk a little bit more of that. Plus, when we come back, Fourth of July is coming up this coming weekend. Uh, the spirit of 1776 versus 1619. What's that all about? Then what about Kamala Harris? What do we know about her? What kind of leader would she be should she take over for Joe Biden? More with Dr. Jake Jake Jacobs in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Dr. Jake Jacobs' latest book, Mob Rule, Unmasking the Radical Leftists at Our Doorsteps. What triggered that book was what happened last year in our country, particularly over the summer with Antifa and the Marxist-driven global movement, Black Lives Matter. But we are talking about uh, so many different topics today, all having to do with education and the change in political direction in the country radically left. And so let's talk back uh, again about the public schools. Jake, I'm sure you heard the story. All the problems to the last decade over in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is really close to D.C. there. They have been pushing everything politically correct, all things antichrist. And here's what a parent said, and I would love to get you to respond to this at a recent school board meeting. Quote, I'm reminded of the tyranny of communist China, where your money is legally stolen and then used in government schools, not public schools. These are not public schools. These are government schools. Schools like here to indoctrinate children against their parents. My child is not oppressed. And don't assume that. 
as long as you are Marxist and you push your unconstitutional agenda on my child, she will not be returning to Loudoun County schools again. Jake Jacobs, your thoughts, because they're pushing critical race theory now. First of all, that lady uh, is a hero of mine. Mm. I mean, for her to stand up to the political powers that be, that's what we need. Citizens in this country, virtuous citizens, awake citizens who are awake to the woke, the bizarre world of wokeness. And by the way, that's happening across the country. Yes, it is. Uh, More and more and more parents. And I think in a certain way, the blessing of COVID, I think a lot of parents were starting to see what was going on because they were seeing the stuff. They were finally seeing some of the curriculum being taught because their kids were at home online teaching and it was upsetting them. And Donald Trump, uh, President Trump, was exposing it. So was the Secretary of State exposing it under Trump. And so have many others like yourself and myself and, and a lot of the great speakers across the country. And so there's, a, a, there's, a, there's a, a cognition now like never before when it comes to this very negative, racist uh, indoctrination that's occurring. Uh, like I said, I never dreamed that after almost 40 years of teaching that my kids and my students would be judged by the color of their skin and not by the, the, the actions of their hearts. Mm. So we're living in, in a, this is racism, pure and simple. And a lot of these parents are, are they're, they're disgusted with them. By the way, it's interesting to know, I think that lady might either have been Chinese and or black. And mm. I only bring that up to be relevant because this isn't <laughs> just, white suburban people talking about this. Yeah. There are many black Americans, many Asian Americans who are, who are seeing right through this. Yes. You know, uh, this makes me think of, uh, I, I have to say this, is, I, have, I had a Chinese student in class. Uh, I had a number of Chinese students this year, fewer than ever before because of COVID. But then we would always debate. He was influenced by the Marxist worldview. And one day he comes in laughing and he says, Doc, did you see the uh, latest U.S. military commercial where the recruitment commercial is pushing LGBT agenda? Yep. And he just laughed at me. and He said, you know what? We in China are laughing. And then he showed me a Chinese commercial, Chinese military commercial for recruitment and a Russian recruitment commercial. And you see men that are strong and virile and ready to have victory in battle. And then you see the American commercial is full of wokeism. I mean, (laughs) France, I mean, of all places where the the anti-Christian French Revolution happened, right? The bloody rate of terror. Macron of France right now is saying, you know what you can do with your wokeism. We don't want your wokeism. Your wokeism is controlism. It's totalitarian. Yes. You keep it out of France. We will not. So if France is telling us we got a problem. So th- there's a duality going on here where, yes, the left is getting a lot of victories, but there's an awakening going on. Boy, could we use a third grade awakening in yes. this country. Amen. Christian parents, conservative parents are waking up to the powers that be, and we're saying, you know, what did Bonhoeffer talk about, that silence in the face of evil in itself is, is a sin, is yes, wrong. Yes. Well, there are people saying, we're not going to live by lies anymore, to quote Alexander Solzhenitsyn. We know that, that, that you're, you're, you're perpetuating, you're disseminating lies. This isn't true. We are not a racist nation. No. Americans, Americans in droves, in, we are not racist. We're good people. Yes, we're sinners, and we need Jesus Christ in our hearts. So we all need to be redeemed and saved. We all understand that. But yes, we have racists in the country, but this is not a systemically racist nation. But it's interesting, the systemic uh, uh, institutionalized stuff, it comes from the university who's pushing racist Marxist critical race theory. Yes. That is the source of systemic racism in America today. Yes, it is. And I've said many times, and I'm sure you would agree, what happens in the universities doesn't stay in the universities. But, uh, yeah, we're seeing it in public schools, and uh, a lot of parents are catching on. I don't know, Jake, whether it's too late, but more parents are waking up. I've just saw an article over at the Daily Wire that how many, like, the public schools are losing students, I mean, uh, in record numbers, so fewer and fewer students are going back to the government-run indoctrination centers. Um, But let's move on to the next topic. We've got uh, concerns about Kamala Harris 
And we don't know what kind of leader she would be, but we do know she has connections with China. We, she, we do know that she's radical when it comes to against religious freedoms. We do know what she did to David DeLayden and the Center for Medical Progress. They, uh, they attacked him in California rather than investigate or prosecute Planned Parenthood, which were, they were selling uh, you know, baby body parts for research through the abortion industry. So we know where Kamala stands on so many issues, and nobody seems to be talking about her and how she would lead and what kind of influence she might be having right now in the O'Biden administration. What are your thoughts? She's the Eva Perón of the Biden administration. As you know, Eva Perón from Argentina. Remember Madonna in the movie, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina? <laughs> well, she slept her way to the top. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Kamala Harris has slept her way to the top, so to speak. The worst candidate, the worst candidate during the Democratic presidential uh, election primary. Yes, she was. And, and, and her, her vitriol, her viciousness, her, her passionate Planned Parenthood worldview, her anti-Christian worldview, bailing out criminals during the Black Lives Matter riots of last summer. Yep. She is a globalist. She's an international globalist. And I, I'm telling you, I don't trust her. I, and she's just waiting in the wings. She's waiting in the wings to do her thing. And this is what concerns me. We have a commander-in-chief who should be held up for dereliction of duty, but what do we have to replace him? Exactly. Kamala Harris. Yep. This is, this is bad news for America. It really is bad news. Yes, it is. And we know she's radical, and it's astounding. Even Democrats didn't like her. She came in 16th place, I think. But uh, well, right. let's move on for a lack of time. I just want to mention before we run out of time, we need to make sure people know in a month you are going to have your own podcast. It's the Jake Jacobs Show, jakejacobsshow.com. It'll officially start July 26th. Tell us a little bit about uh, how people can get more info and what, what we can expect. Yeah, the key is, if, like you said, jakejacobsshow.com. It's going to be a one-hour program Monday through Friday. It'll go live at high noon, go from noon to one. We'll just start it out that way. My uh, director and producer, we want to just keep it quite basic and simple. There's going to be a lot of stress on historical information. Like you said, that there's been the rewriting of history. So what I want to do is on certain topics, when a certain current issue comes out, I want to stress maybe the history behind it, the correct history behind yes. it versus these lies of 1619 Project and Black Lives at School and uh, Curriculum and, and uh, um, what's the other one? Oh, the Zinn Howard Project. So I want to counter that with the truth of 1776 reality. Oh, we need so much of that, Jake. Thank you for doing that. We really do need so much of the uh, the lies. They need to be refuted with truth and true history. And let's mention some true history as we have five minutes left and talk about the 4th of July coming up. I've got a blurb here that I printed out. Did you know that 56 of the courageous men who signed that original document, talking about the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia, uh, many of them did not survive the war that followed. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Nine others died in the Revolutionary War, either from hardships or from being shot. Twelve had their homes sacked, looted, burned, or occupied by the enemy. Two lost their sons in battle. One had two sons captured. And the price of freedom we know from these men and what we've seen throughout our history was high. Um, So deciding to be free, to fighting, to maintain our freedoms in this republic under God, and especially our religious freedoms, couldn't be more important, but I think we've lost some of that fight. Your thoughts on the 4th of July in our history, Jake? Well, you know, it was Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King who called the Declaration of, uh, of, uh, Dec- uh, of Independence magnificent. The very last line, they said, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortune, and our sacred honor. In the beginning of the Declaration, it talks about the laws of nature and nature's God and that our life and our liberty comes from our Creator. And it's sad to see that we have in power right now those who hate the laws of nature and nature's God, who's called the Supreme Judge of the World in the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. It was uh, G.K. Chesterton who said, America, for the first time, gave the world a creed. And the creed was, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of Mm -hmm. happiness, equality, liberty, 
No nation has ever done that. Amen. And yes, we had sin and we had slavery, systemic slavery because of the Democratic Party, but we stopped it. And many men and women sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for men to be free. And by the way, Watch now in the media how Colin Kaepernick and and all these lefties will come out about how horrible 1776, and they will lie and distort Frederick Douglass's classic speech on 1776. In essence, he says, America's great. Let's live up to the greatness within their creed. But you're going to see lies coming out. And as you know, when President Trump wanted that 1776 commission, immediately President Biden got rid of it. Wow. They called it racist. It's not true. They were simply wanting to teach the good, the bad, and the ugly in American history. They only want the, the left only wants the bad and the ugly to be taught. Yep. And we want all of it to be taught. That's right. Uh, because we've got to recognize that our the way we were founded, Christianity, the the church in America, you know, it's opposite of what the what the left thinks, but the church is essential. Jesus is essential. The biblical Christian worldview is essential to the preservation of America and to freedom. Uh, Jake, in a minute and a half, just your closing thoughts on just where we're at as a nation, what Christian parents and the average individual can do to move forward and refute some of these lies. We need to fight by many means necessary. Once again, not by any. We're not radicals. We're not violent. Hmm. We're we're taught to love. But as disciples, as you know, the word disciple comes from the word, comes from the word tamid, which means you're a student. We're a student of the word. We're a student of the biblical worldview. But we're also a student of the culture, of the world around us. Really, all of life is politics that way. Life can determine Slavery, uh, pol- excuse me, politics can determine slavery, it can determine the end of slavery, it can determine equality and liberty. And so we need more uh, citizens of virtue, mm. citizens uh, at school board meetings, citizens involved in local political gatherings to confront, to expose the darkness, bring the light of Christ, the light of truth upon this darkness so we can educate and we can illuminate to Americans across this country. It now is the time for us to be aware of this. It's our calling and our duty. I can't stress this enough. We need to be in the battle, Amen. the battle of righteousness, and, and, and on our knees, asking the Lord for wisdom and insight and discernment on how to fight that battle yes. properly and in proper ways with wisdom and with education and with knowledge. Because in knowledge is power, and in knowledge can come the ability to become victorious over the darkness around us. Amen. Dr. Jake Jacobs, thank you so much for being with us today. We'll uh, keep an eye out for your podcast at the uh, jakejacobsshow.com. God bless you, brother. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Shalom, David. Take care, buddy. All right. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are the rest of the week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Gary Ka will be with us tomorrow. Can't wait to catch up with Gary and hope for the world. Uh, I believe you will also hear from Jason Jimenez on Wednesday. Um, And then Thursday, Dr. Andy Woods. Friday. Dr. Scott Lively, a lot of do- this is Doctor Week, except for Gary Cobb. You'll you'll appreciate his update on the globalist push to change not only the nation but the world. Um, so yeah, a lot of doctors. One week, I think, in the last six months, we had all authors. Uh, one week a while back. But anyway, it's been fun just catching up with a lot of these guests. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>